humility, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here um, staggers me. Well, thank you, Dr. Malcolm, but I think things are a little bit different than you and I had feared. Yeah, I know. They're a lot worse. Now, wait a second. Now, we haven't even seen the part where Donald, 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 let him talk. There's no reason. No, no, I want to hear every viewpoint. I really do. Uh, yeah, don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalizations. If I may. Um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it? Well. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more. No less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, welcome to the halfway portion of the top 60 albums here of 1993, officially here on Rock Strikes 10, the best albums of that year, according to myself here, Joey. So let's get back into the countdown. Coming in at number 30 is... A band that I know that I've been putting up there for consideration over the last few years of doing these 90s countdowns. And I'm trying to remember if they made it on here. I, like a lot of people, probably take this band for granted if you even take them at all out there. But this band right here, All, had a strong album in 1993 called Breaking Things. And let's say I haven't included any of their albums in the last few years on these countdowns. That would mean that I'm a bigger fan of their replacement singer than their original singer, weirdly enough. But yes, this band here, All, a band that came out of the ashes of the Descendants. And I'm a big fan of All. I think they're really cool. A lot of people like to put them on a versus mode with Descendants, and I hate that kind of shit. But All's a really cool band. They write real cool, catchy, punk rock type songs. And they're definitely poppier than the Descendants, which is probably where they get a lot of their shit from. But man, a good song is a good song. 
And with their fifth album here called Breaking Things, they got a new singer in by the name of Chad Price, who replaced Scott Reynolds in the band. And this record is good, man. If for some reason you're out there, let's say you're a hardcore fan and you didn't want to give him a chance after Scott left the band, you really should have because they never really lost any ground with me. Apparently, they might have improved a little bit. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. But yeah, let's kick off the show here with a really cool cut. This is all with Guilty. Kicking off the show here today and coming at number 30 here on our top 60 albums of 1993 countdown here on Rock Strikes 10. That was all. That song was called Guilty from the album Breaking Things. 
definitely the first time I heard that song, it was being used on the movie soundtrack to Mallrats, which in this timeline that we're following, Clerks isn't really much of a thing, especially in my brain. So it would take a few years for me to hear all at all. The only other time I had heard him before that was their contribution to the Kiss tribute album, Hard to Believe. They did Christine 16 on there. So that's how I got into all was through Kiss and Kevin Smith. And man, what a nice combo that is. That puts a smile on my face. But yes, coming in here at number 29, I was talking about the Descendants being the roots band for all. If we're talking about punk rock. I'm talking about the mentality and the approach of what punk rock originally was, you pretty much don't get more punk rock in attitude and execution than you do with our number 29 band, and that is Fugazi. Fugazi. Yes, in 1993, they put out their third full-length album called In on the Kill Taker, produced by Ted Nicely, who is probably a friend of a friend. And he got a hell of a sound out of Fugazi on this one, man. It's hard to really pick a favorite record. It might depend on my mood, but let's just say at this point in this timeline, they're all tied for first because I don't know if I could say that In on the Kill Taker is any better than Repeater or vice versa, stuff like that. This album is damn good, just solid AF. So let's get into it right here with a band who at this point in the timeline is definitely still putting on $5 shows. Here's Fugazi with Rend It. Why don't you come to my house? Why don't you drag me right out? Best all the shit that I said, I'm saying. You cut up my mouth
There's a decently old saying out there, and if I had to put money on it, I'd say it was either said by someone like James Brown or George Clinton, is you can't fake the funk. And if you don't have that kind of true punk aggression inside of you, you don't make records that sound like Fugazi. You just don't. They are the real deal. But that was Rendit from In on the Kill Taker by, of course, Fugazi. Hope you enjoyed that. And onto something completely different right here, but I feel like this band is also the real deal. And the great thing about this band, really honestly, if you go and listen to their very first record and you go and listen to their latest record, they've pretty much always stuck to their story. A band that stylistically was always a hodgepodge of their influences, but that's the way it is. That's what rock and roll is all about. That's what music's all about. But you do your own thing with it, and they definitely did their own thing with it. And once again, I love the fact that they really don't have a bad record. If you like this band, you're pretty much going to dig all their records. And that would be Enough's Enough. And in 93, they're on their third album called Animals with Human Intelligence. And by this point with the band, unfortunately, commercially, and this even happened on the second album, they're not really doing much uh, on the mainstream side of things. They pretty much only had successful singles and sold a good amount of records on their first album. Sad, but true. But much like a lot of defenders of this band will tell you, they've often been judged by how they look versus how they sound because they're definitely a hodgepodge of Beatles, Cheap Trick, Van Halen, like bands like that. A lot of great influences there. And it's nice to have bands like this that I can just go into a record by them and, and be totally fine just listening to the whole thing. This is a solid record of theirs. At the time, I would definitely say I was guilty of not giving it a proper shake. It's one of those things I probably did judge it by the cover because it's a terrible album cover. Both album covers, by the way, they did later on change the cover, but they're both terrible album covers. So what happened internally in the band is that Vicky Fox, who was playing drums for him, played on this whole record, but left the band to go to another band. And you might hear something about that band a little later here on the countdown, weirdly enough. So they didn't put them on the photo. So at this point, it looks like the band's kind of dropping off. They're down to three members on the album cover. So that was really dumb on my part, but I've definitely gone back and righted the wrongs there over the years. And I gotta say, by the way, when I do these episodes, if I'm going to go on Wikipedia, I tend to use what I call the wiki box, the part that says where it was recorded and what date it came out on and what the producer was and the running time. I tried to go further into it because I don't want to start quoting it. But what a weird entry in the Wikipedia for this album. It says that track three on this album, Right By Your Side, was covered by a band called The Tuesdays in 94. But then later on, probably, let's be honest, because of The Tuesdays record, was covered by an act called Malik Youssef, which apparently Kanye West played a big part on that record. So... That's weird right there that an Enough's Enough song on a random album of theirs got covered twice by notable artists and the fact that now there is only one degree of separation between Enough's Enough and terrible person Kanye West. Yeah, only in the music business, right? Only in the arts. Okay, but let's get back to the actual Enough's Enough record here in 93 called Animals with Human Intelligence. And I'm not going to even play that song because my favorite song on this album happens to be this song right here. It's called These Days. Sound, 
Coming in number 28 here on our Alves Countdown of 1993. That was Chicago's own Enough's Enough with These Days. I believe it's spelled D-A-Z-E if I had to guess. Knowing what I know about them, but yes, that was from the album Animals with Human Intelligence. Can always count on Enough's Enough to bring the power pop energy up here on the show. And speaking of energy, I always thought this album had a lot of energy to it. And supposedly our album that comes in here at number 27, which is unfortunately a one-and-done album. According to everything I've ever read about this act, they were put together by music guru John Kalodner of the John Kalodner Corporation. If you don't know that name right off by me saying it, remember those old Aerosmith videos with a guy with the huge beard that would you know, be dressed up like a woman or just be randomly inserted into the video doing something weird or smiling all the time. That's John Kalander, by the way. John got Boston on the radio back in the day, obviously a good buddy of Aerosmith's. I know he was responsible for Jackal getting put on the radio, so he, he's a mover and shaker in the overall rock history of the music business. And he put together this act right here, and that would be Coverdale Page. Yes, David Coverdale and Jimmy Page. They were both in between things at this point in 1993, and that's why John had the light bulb go off, having the what I call the David Lee Roth, what are we pretending to not know kind of moment, because, yeah, man, hey, I have often said how much I love David Coverdale, I'm a white snake guy, and yes, he does obviously sound like Robert Plant when he sings a good amount of the time. So at this point, Jimmy Page, who is always pining for Robert Plant to call his telephone number it seems like that's the career of jimmy page post led zeppelin so constantly waiting for plant to maybe get on board and they'd have a brief dance in the 90s for sure but i've often theorized and i'm pretty sure i'm right about this that all this material or the majority of it was originally intended for the led zeppelin reunion album that never happened basically at least this would have been jimmy's contributions which he was the predominant songwriter in the band anyway. So there you have it. This is what it would have sounded like, kids. And when these songs would come on the radio in 1993, I think people got that vibe. And the album did well. I think it sold at least a couple of million, like two, three million or something like that. And unfortunately, we never got a follow-up. And additionally unfortunate is the fact that even though David Coverdale's on board with signing off on a reissue of this, it seems like Jimmy Page is not. Jimmy's one of those obsessive guys, like when he goes in and does a reissue. Every time the Zeppelin catalog gets remastered, he goes in and oversees it and maybe does a whole new mix in the thing. So I don't know why he wouldn't want to revisit this. It's an album to be proud of. It's a solid, solid rock and roll album. And clearly it does very well on my countdown here at number 27. This is another one of those things, though, where this album has been lost to time in a sense. So for those of you who tune into not just regular radio, but Sirius radio, I do hear it on the channels that I dial into on Sirius. But I think in the overall grand scheme of things, people really don't talk about this record. Sadly, the other thing that really hurts the album is that you can't listen to it on Spotify. And I'm sure a lot of other streamers, it's not there. So you'd have to YouTube it or God forbid, you actually have to have the physical CD copy of it, which I do, or the cassette. But... Yeah, if you have that, if you have access to it, go in and check it out, man. It's aged very well. Still sounds great. That probably has a lot to do with the Mike Fraser production, which 
If you don't know that name, Mike Fraser has either mixed or produced every ACDC album for the last 30 plus years. So great ear on that guy. So yeah, I guess because of all those circumstances, I'm going to go obvious on this album as well. Uh, because this is just peak rock and roll for me right here. The launch single from the Coverdale Page record to represent this record here on my countdown. This is Pride and Joy. Definitely need a steady diet of that back on the airwaves again. That was Pride and Joy 
by Coverdale Page. Hope you enjoyed that. But yes, just classic rock personified. Fun, groovy, riff-heavy, sexy rock and roll the way it ought to be. Okay, coming in at number 26 right here. Getting back to real punk rock music with the debut full-length album by Rancid. Their self-titled full-length. Their first of two self-titled records, actually. Coming out here in 1993. And... In case you came in on this band, like, by the second or third album, which a lot of people did, myself included, the interesting note about this debut album and their earlier releases is that Rancid used to be a power trio. So Lars Fredrickson did not join the band until the second album. So it's just Tim, Matt, and Brett holding it down. And it makes for an interesting listen. And Matt Freeman has such a burly, huge voice that it's an interesting dichotomy because... Lars Fredrickson has what I, I feel to be a decently appealing voice, especially in punk rock music. And I, I mentioned the other self-titled Rancid album kind of in brief there, but in 2000 when they would do that, Matt would actually sing lead vocals again, and he really wasn't doing that so much at all after Lars joined the band. So I guess that was a way of paying tribute to the debut record there. I never put that together until now. I just had that light bulb moment. But yes, back to the original first self-titled record by Rancid here in 93. Rancid's one of those bands where it's a generic term, but you definitely know what you're going to get with them. So you either love it or hate it, and I happen to love it. So here's my favorite song, and has been pretty much forever, from the first album, my favorite song from this record. It is called Rejected. Those three guys right there in Rancid hauling it at that point. 
That was rejected from the self-titled Rancid debut right there. And we get to number 25 with a band who definitely deserved better in the overall grand scheme of things. Always a critical darling, but never really got over with the record-buying public. And it's real sad. But if you know, you know. And Red Cross, R-E-D-D-K-R-O-S-S, they come in here at 25 with their album, Phase Shifter, which I believe is their fourth full-length record, self-produced. And they just got a great sound to it, man. They know how to write a tune for a band of brothers that came out in the 70s, all the way back from there. And they're definitely 70s at heart. They know when the best music was made, and it seems like they've always tried to do right by the decade of their youth. And I feel like they did the 70s justice throughout their career. Just a cool band that you should really, really check out if you've never given them a chance. Much like I mentioned earlier with All, the first time I got into them was hearing them do a Kiss cover. They did Deuce really early on in their career. And then later on, when I finally listened to their one of their records top to bottom, I'm like, man, these guys are real good. And another thing of note that definitely needs to be said is that Stephen McDonald, one half of the brother team here of Red Cross, along with his brother Jeff, Stephen McDonald has been playing bass in the Melvins, for a long time now, which that was always the revolving door, like Spinal Tap drummers you could never settle on a bass player for the Melvins, but he has lasted longer than anybody, and he's great in the role, and I'm glad he's there, so it's just nice to see that. Two bands that I'm a big fan of, basically kind of coming together in a sense. But back to Red Cross, check out this album, Phase Shifter. It is quite good. Of course, yes, it comes in here at 25, and I'm just going to go the opening track route because this is the first thing you hear if you put the record on. It's got this weird like couple of second intro and then it goes into the actual song. And man, when this thing drops, it's going to blow you away. I feel like I could really build this song up and it'll still deliver. So here is Red Cross with Jimmy's Fantasy. Enjoy.
All right, that was Jimmy's Fantasy by Red Cross from their album Phase Shifter. Go check out some Red Cross for sure. Some great rock and roll right there from some dudes that really mean it. And I feel like this next band always really meant it. Despite the fact that this band had some success early on with their first album, it's that cliche that I would like to use where the second album is the real first album because they really came into their own with this one. So the sophomore album by Blur called Modern Life is Rubbish came out here in 93. And from what I understand, they came out to America once She's So High and the first record started selling a little bit. And it's weird, the early 90s as far as UK imports, especially that were leaning on the guitar rock side of things, were definitely very poppy still and definitely had some dance pop elements to them like an EMF or a Jesus Jones and stuff like that. And it seemed like Blur was going to be part of that scene. And if you go and listen to the Leisure album, it doesn't really sound like they're going to be part of that scene, but they definitely got lumped in with those bands for sure. And that's just what happens sometimes. Lazy music journalists and all. So they came out to America. They didn't go over well, apparently. And they came back to the UK pretty disheveled. And they felt like not only did they not get over in America, but... I think they felt like they were falling out of favor in the UK as well because things were changing at a rapid pace. So with this album right here, I think they really made a statement. And I don't think it sold all that well. I think it actually probably sold less at the time than the first album, if I have it right. But it's it's what they say. It's the record you had to make in order to really get your career going. So this is an important record for the band. It's definitely an improvement from Leisure, in my opinion, in a lot of people's. So yeah, they get a lot of comparisons in this era to like the Small Faces and of course the Kinks, where these are bands that unfortunately weren't very huge in America and at some point were like, we're just going to be the most British. If we're not going to be a worldwide thing like the Beatles or the Stones, then we are going to go really hard on our home country and just embrace the entirety of the culture and do that with it. And Blur definitely became the most British band at that time. At least that's how I feel about it. When when I listen to their songs, you, you get an idea of how they live and the kind of people they meet. And I think that's really cool. That's something that art can do. Whether you're listening to Blur or Public Enemy, you get an idea on how they feel about things. So I dig it for that reason. But before I start trying to get into some sort of stupid tribalism thing about the Blur versus Oasis feud, let's just get into the music here from Modern Life is Rubbish. This is Chemical World. Although she got herself rosy cheeks She didn't leave enough money to pay the rent The landlord says that she's out in a week What a shame, she was just getting comfy Now she's eating chocolate to induce sleep In a chemical world, it's very, very, very cheap And I don't know about you But they're putting the hose in Yes, yes Has a very nice view Across the street at the exhibitionist These townies, they never speak to you Stick 
some blur for you right there with chemical world which was a single release off of the modern life is rubbish record as well along with a song i think it's on the domestic version if i remember it correctly but there was a great single released around that time and unfortunately i failed to put it on the odds and ends of this year of 1993 but i should have that's one of those things where i swear i made a note and i think it got erased or something or I just plain forgot, which is weird because I was thinking about them here on the album's countdown, not thinking about the single. But go dial up this song by them called Pop Scene. It's actually one word, and that's one of their more punky, heavier songs. And it was a single-only release in the UK. But yeah, check out Pop Scene as well. There's another good single from that era called Chemical World. Hope you enjoyed that. Number 23 right here. We go all the way across the pond, all the way to the deeper west coast Probably even beyond the coast because they might be out fishing on a boat somewhere at this point. But yes, Primus, one of San Francisco's finest right there, or the one of the suckiest bands to ever come out of San Francisco, which is what we're supposed to say. But yes, Primus has their third full-length album here in 1993. Definitely at their commercial peak right here with Pork Soda because they're getting actual radio play, which is a weird thing to think about. And getting played on MTV, which makes more sense because they're more of a visual band in that sense. Their songs are so weird. I feel like 
conventional radio stations still don't want to play them because they're a little divisive. But yeah, Pork Soda being their commercial peak right here, I still feel like Sailing the Seas of Cheese is the better album, but Pork Soda is just right in there with it. And it carries a lot of memory and nostalgia for me here, so there's that as well, of course. And much like I did here on the countdown earlier with Alcohol Funny Car, I'm going to play a song that was featured later on the year after this on the Brain Scan soundtrack. And this has kind of always been my personal favorite song off the album anyway, so it makes sense to play it. So from Pork Soda, here is Primus with Welcome to This World. Welcome to this 
Primus right there for you with Welcome to This World from Pork Soda. I still constantly marvel every time I listen to Primus to think that Larry Lalonde was a former student of Joe Satriani's. When anybody associated with that kind of guitar playing, you would tend to think it'd be, you know, a shredder type like a Steve Vai or Alex Skolnick or something like that. But man, Larry, talk about a guy that carved his own sound, one of the true originals in the history of rock guitar right there. Lair, Lair Lalonde from Primus. But there you have it. Fun stuff there, Pork Soda. Not a bad record to go and revisit. It's aged well. And this next one right here, for my ears and my taste, I feel like it's aged pretty well. I wasn't sure where this was going to fall in the countdown, and it comes in at a very respectable number 22. Maybe much to my surprise, because maybe a lot of the hang-ups I had with even enjoying this might be due to the fact that this guy's kind of a comical figure in the rock world right now. But in 1992-1993, and even before that, of course, I thought Vince Neil was a really cool dude. So whenever him and the rest of Motley fell out there at the end of 91 going into 92, I still feel like I didn't take sides. I was thinking about the parallel between like Van Halen, for instance, and how this was going to go. So I felt like I would still enjoy both things. And I did, pretty much for the most part, actually. So when Vince put out his first solo album here, Exposed, which, if it's a race, he definitely beat Motley to the punch by a good year and a half. Vince came out of the gate in 93 with his first solo album, produced by big-time, super-slick producer Ron Nevison, who, if you don't know that name offhand... He did some records for the Babies. He was kind of the go-to guy in the 80s for veteran acts that wanted to get back on the radio. So Hart used him and Ozzy used him. And he was the producer of Crazy Nights by Kiss. That guy. And with all those elements coming together, I think this is still an interesting album. I could theorize that this is a calculating 90s sounding record. Because they use a lot of futuristic sounds on here and stuff like that. And a lot of that's definitely due to the fact that Steve Stevens is the now lead guitar player for Vince Neil at this point. Steve, who was playing in Jerusalem Slim with Michael Monroe, if you remember that record from last year's Countdown. So now we're at the second instance of Vince Neil fucking over Michael Monroe in his career. However... Speaking of Ozzy, in that actual era of Ozzy, the Ultimate Sin era that Ron Nevison produced... I forgot about this, but I definitely remember reading it now at the time. Is that Phil Suzanne, who was Ozzy's bass player, and he wrote a lot of songs for Ozzy lyrically. He was in the early on stages of this Vince Neil band writing songs with Vince, who did need help writing songs, much like Ozzy. And apparently he was supposed to be the bass player in the band too, but it didn't really happen. I don't know what happened. I, I still don't know, but... At the end of the day, Steve Stevens became the lead guitar player and uh, what was that guy? Robbie Crane, who kind of looks like Steve Stevens' little brother or something. Uh, he wound up being the bass player, but I think he played rhythm guitar on this album. And I can't remember the name of the guy who kind of looks like Robin Crosby that was the other guitar player. <laughs> Damn, I feel bad now. But uh, the aforementioned Vicky Fox, who played drums on the third Enough's Enough album, came in and played on this album and left Enough's Enough to join Vince Neil's band. So there's all the fun, nerdy background on this record. 
The album is called Exposed, and I was surprised, actually, just because of the whole modern absurdity of what Vince Neil is and has become. But, man, this is still an enjoyable record for me. And fun fact for me, this is like the second or third compact disc I ever owned because I did that Columbia House thing and kicked off my physical CD collection with some Columbia House ripping off. But yes, I remember Exposed being an early CD of mine, so I guess I do have some nostalgia for this album still. But trying to listen to it with modern ears, I still like the record. I think it sounds good. It's a very stellar and slick production for sure. Definitely doesn't have the grit of what Motley would put out the year after that, but more on that next year. Until then, here is actually always been a favorite of mine from this album, and it never got any attention. I thought this was going to be like a can't-miss rock radio hit single because it was just different sounding from the stuff I had heard up until this point. And it's got some crazy stuff going on through Steve Stevens' guitar, who actually opens up and shows off his flamenco influence. Which, years later, I would find out that Steve actually has his own flamenco solo albums out there. So if you're a fan of this intro, then check out some of Steve Stevens' solo records. But I've laid enough track for you here. Here is Vince Neil with The Edge. Oh, 
right, there you have it. The Edge by Vince Neil, which I would think has to be the most layered song ever with Vince Neil singing vocals on it. There's a lot of stuff going on in that song, but I kind of dig the absurdity and overkill of it all. But yeah, a couple other fun notes about this record since I'm on a roll here. Definitely the first but not the last time that I would own the song Set Me Free. It's a good version too, by the way. I think the first time I heard it was, uh, what's that band, Heathen or something like that? I think they were the ones that covered it. I saw them do it on Headbangers Ball. I think it was them. So many people have covered this song. It's a great freaking song, by the way. It's just a fun, up-tempo jam. Also, proof positive that you should never really re-record your shit is the the re-recording of You're Invited But Your Friend Can't Come, not nearly as good as the first one. It loses a lot of the fun, loose aspect of what that song was. You didn't need to really get cute with it. So yeah, that was a bad idea. Maybe they should have put one of the other covers that Vince had recorded for this album. Like, weirdly enough, he did apparently cover I Want to Be Sedated during the sessions for this album, and also Rod Stewart's Blondes Have More Fun. That would have been a cool thing to include on there as well. But yeah, the only other thing I thought listening to this record for the first time in a long time is the song Living is a Luxury. I can easily hear Billy Idol singing that song. So maybe that was a leftover that Steve Stevens had kicking around from his Billy Idol days. Thankfully, all is right in the world. Vince is back with the crew and Steve is back with Billy Idol. So yeah, what a difference 30 years makes, eh? All right, last album of the night here coming in at number 21 on the 93 albums countdown here is this band right here who every time I've gone in to listen to this band's records, especially here in the early nineties when the band's really kicking off, I've been impressed. And this is a band that I've never really seeked out. I've always heard the name and they're definitely associated with bands that I know, but I've never gone in and listened to their records. Honestly, I think a lot of that's just poor distribution. I, Never really saw their records out and about here in the States because they're a UK-based band. But The Almighty, doing very well here in 1993 with their third album called Power Trippin'. And another parallel here in me ranking some of these albums throughout the years is I just cannot get on board with Black Star Writers. I like a couple of songs, but they just never do anything for me. It's very underwhelming to my ears. And I'm sorry if you're a fan of that band. That's cool since you're totally allowed to be a fan of anything you want. But yeah, the fact that this is the same guy that sang for the Almighty, but stylistically, these bands are completely different. So this is probably another reason why I like this band more. I just think this band is really cool. They had a really cool original sound, and they definitely deserved better. They should have been a force in the music world in the 90s. I think Almighty is a cool freaking band. So there you go. It's kind of a backhanded compliment in a sense to Ricky Warwick, but man, your first band was really, really cool. So with this third record right here, Power Trippin', another fun thing of note, it was the debut of one of their new lead guitar players, a guy named Pete Friesen, who before this had done a couple of tours with Alice Cooper. So that's how I know that guy. And yes, that was the Pete in Wayne's World that actually has a line in the movie. But yeah, it proved to be a good move to bring Pete into this band right here because Power Trippin' is a very quality rock album. If you're into hard rock, the kind that leans into the heavy metal a little bit, but still has a little bit of a foot in the classic rock thing, then this is a band that you definitely want to check out if you've never given them a chance before. And the cool thing is, of course, we can all do that now with streaming. 
if you're an adult and have a smartphone and stuff like that. And I guess the records did well enough or someone thought enough of them to put out like these big expanded versions of these records. So you can listen to the record and you can hear like a live show from that era. So I, I love that kind of stuff. I love bonus tracks. You get to hear the covers and B-sides that were on this. You want to hear them do a couple of Neil Young covers? Well, dial into the expanded version of Power Trippin'. So there you go. There's my commercial for this band. I get no money doing that, but I'm a believer in this band. I can't wait to hear what they do next. Like I'm listening to them like they're a new group because that's that's how I like to do it. It's fun for me that way. But here you go. I didn't think I would actually pick this song when I first heard it on my first top to bottom listen of this record, but it really builds up. The crescendo on this song is excellent. So I feel like it's a great closer here for the night. So here is the almighty with Jesus loves you, but I don't.
Closing off the show here today and closing off part four of the top 60 albums of 1993 countdown. That was the almighty from the record power tripping. And that was the song with also the best title on the record. Jesus loves you, but I don't. Hey, how about that? Mark Dotson produced this record. No wonder it sounds so damn good. Talked about him earlier on the countdown. That guy really knows how to appeal to old Joey here. Yes, Mark Dotson producing this. How cool is that? Okay, we break into the top 20 here, starting with the next part of this album's countdown. We only got two more parts to go, then you'll find out what my favorite record and records of 1993 are. Hope you're enjoying the shows. Until the next one, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, 
a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.